When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. No people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. Welcome to another episode of the Fenway Rundown, Mass Live's Red Sox podcast. I'm one of your usual co-hosts, Sean McAdam. I am without my usual co-host, Chris Cotillo, who is off for a few days, but he is more than ably replaced by another member of our Red Sox team here at Mass Live, Chris Smith, who you know and read all his content on the site. Chris joins us. Chris, how are you? What's up? How are you doing? Good getting ready for the winter meetings, which begin, of course, Sunday night, Monday morning in Nashville. And um, But before we get to that, we should let people know that this is an awesome time to, send, uh, to, to sign up for our Red Sox Insider Text Program, which you've heard us talk about a lot on the pod the last few weeks. Many of you have joined Many of those have submitted questions and heard them asked and answered on the podcast. And we'd like you to join the program as well. It's our Fenway Rundown Red Sox Insider Text Program. It costs $4.99 a month, but it does come with a 14-day free trial period, so you can check it out. It's an opportunity to text with me, with Chris, with Chris Cotillo this winter, at the winter meetings, during the hot stove league, next spring training, and all through the season year-round. If you have a question about what's going on to the Red Sox, we will answer it directly. And all you have to do is text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257, then click the link and subscribe. A lot of people are enjoying it. We're having fun doing it. Give it a try. You get that 14-day free trial period, which will take you through the end of the winter meetings. And by then, we think you'll want to sign up for the whole program. All right. Uh, So the winter meetings do get underway at that hellscape known as Opryland in Nashville. Chris, have you had the great pleasure of being in Opryland? Yes, actually. um, So, I mean, obviously, I've had the great pleasure of being lost in there, but uh, also... That was actually the first time that I ever saw Cotillo. So <laughs> I just remember um, him walking around, you know, the the you know the hallways or whatever you go with his his headphones on, you know, just really paying attention to his phone and his headphones and texting. And I'm like, this kid looks like a loser. <laughs> and then and then he tried to you to buy him a drink at the bar that night because he wasn't 21, <laughs> right? Well, I had known of him, you know, everybody knew of the, the, the college kid or the high school even kid that, yep. you know, went to the winter meetings. But I, I saw him and I'm like, oh, that's that Chris Cotillo kid from, 
from Twitter. Huh? Little did you know what was in store for you down the road. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that I remember him also ordering a pizza late that night. Uh, somebody saw him go down and get a pizza that, at the front That fits, door. too. That fits, too. <laughs> uh, well, you get to stay home and stay out of the human maze that is Opryland next week. Uh, that's a good place to be. It will be an interesting few days. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what the Red Sox under Craig Breslow. This will be his first winter meeting since being named chief baseball officer of the Red Sox. Be interesting to see how he operates and how his style is any different, if at all, from his predecessor, Heim Bloom, or any other executives. Um, as we know, Breslow is not a stranger to the winter meetings. He has gone a few times in his playing career to try to get himself a contract for the following season. And he's also been a few times with the Cubs in his capacity as assistant GM with Chicago before joining the Red Sox. But this will be uh, the first time that he is here uh, in, in this capacity with the ability to kind of drive things for an organization. And Chris, I don't think it's uh, spilling any secrets that what Breslow is mostly going to be focused on, we think, uh, next week is starting pitching, followed by starting pitching, followed by starting pitching. What do you expect here, both free agent and trade-wise for the Red Sox? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Somebody on the insider text, uh, you know, recently said, well, could they be in on the, you know, the Yankees are in on Juan Soto. Is that a possibility? And, you know, it's like, well, you know, you wrote it the other day that, you know, they're going to look at the trade market hard for starting pitching and then potentially pivot to the free agent market. So they're not going, you know, like a one soda. That's not on the top of their list. Their list is for, you know, if they're going to use the Roman Anthony's of the world or their Marcelo, you know, Myers on, on, um, you know, starting pitchers, their top two prospects or, you know, going top five, you know, five prospects, whatever, you know, they're going to use it on a starting pitcher. And, um, you know, it's interesting because there's so many, I've heard John Heyman actually mention this on a few things. It's like, there's so many teams looking for starting pitching this, this off season that, you know, it's very difficult to, you know, like the, the free agent market's going to be like, that's going to bump up everybody's, everybody's demands, you know? And so, um, you know, it should be interesting to see how things unfold. I find the Otani stuff to be incredibly interesting just because it's going to be so secretive. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, Yamamoto is, you know, we'll see. I, he said he's not going to sign what until after the winter meetings and stuff right. like that. So yep, that's you know, on the timetable. It should be interesting. I think that the, what they really need to obviously the focus is going to be on on starting pitching. But I wouldn't be surprised if you, you know, if they didn't get something, you know, they might get something done or something talked about at least with the, you know, the second base position and addressing that. So, um, you know, it should be interesting. I mean, you go to some winter meetings where, <clears throat> you know, you, you see that the team is pretty much set and you're like, ah, oh, this is going to be a boring one, but this is going to be a, you know, this is going to be a lively one because obviously they need a couple of starting pitchers and, and uh, you know, they need a second baseman or a right-handed bat. Yeah, there are a couple of other needs. We we jokingly said it'll be starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching, but that isn't necessarily the case. If they see an opportunity to upgrade the second base uh, situation, um, you know that could take the form of a free agent like Whit Merrifield. It could take the form of a trade like the Angels. Brendan Drury is a guy that they've been linked to in the past. 
So there are people out there. There's also, they do have a need for a right-handed bat. Uh, the the lineup is very left-handed when you look at it, and it has the potential with Anthony and Meyer down the road to be even more left-handed. But you look already, and it's Devers, and it's Casas, and it's Duran, and it's uh, Verdugo, at least for the time being, and Yoshida. They could have six, sometimes seven left-handed bats in the lineup. They do need somebody to replace either, however you look at it, Justin Turner or Adam Duvall. And look, we can't rule out either of those guys returning, although I'd say Turner's a long shot. Uh, Duvall actually might fit them fairly well as a guy that can play the outfield, has played first base, not in a long time and not a lot of it, but maybe might be willing to fill in for 20 or 30 games over there, get Casas off his feet, give him a break from a tough lefty every once in a while. Um, so there are other needs and those have to be addressed too. Well, I think the, one of the more interesting things that, you know, Craig Breslow said during the GM meetings at the beginning of November was he indicated or didn't indicate, he just said in a very nice way that, you know, they're going to look at trading one of those left-handed hitting outfielders, um, you know, to improve other areas of their team. Uh, you know, so could we see Verdugo's name pop up here at the winter meetings you know, potentially Jaron Durant, you know, I mean, you know, you look at those guys and, you know, those are interesting pieces for other teams. And, the, you know, obviously for Dugo's contract is up at the end of 2024. And so, you know, these are guys that, um, you know, I, I you know, to, to get that right hand batter to fill out the, the roster and stuff like that. Um, you know, even out at what is this asymmetry or symmetry or what? Is yeah. Yes, balance. Let's symmetry. call it balance. They have asymmetry right now. And right. They, need to they are asymmetrical. Right <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so they need to just, you know, they really need more balance in that outfield in general. And so, yeah, I think that we'll, we'll see, you know, there will be some more rumors, obviously, and potentially some more action than just the starting pitching market. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there could be some moves that we don't anticipate. Maybe they try to uh, upgrade themselves at catcher. Maybe they look at some other outfield spots. Maybe they need a left-handed reliever in the bullpen. Uh, right now, uh, Brennan Bernardino is the only guy out there who's left-handed. It's a deep bullpen. When you start thinking about Jansen and Martin and Schreiber and all those guys out there, uh, but the vast majority of them are right-handed, including some long guys who might not fit in the starting rotation, that in, that could include guys like Hauk. It could be Whitlock. It could be Crawford. It could be Pavetta. They have a lot of righty power arms, but they don't have a lot of left-handed relievers. That too could be something kind of around the margins that they uh, focus on a little bit next week. Yeah, well, I've read it with Bernardino a few times. It's like he's the only one that they have on the 40 man roster right now in terms of the left-handers that had an ERA under 4.90 last yep. year. I mean, that was the 4.90 is Murphy's ERA. And, you know, you also had, you know, Brandon Wal um, Walter. And so, you know, you, you look at these guys and, you know, maybe, you know, you've got this big pitching brain in, in Craig Breslow and maybe he sees like a Chris Murphy or, you know, Walter and, and you know, sees something and, whatever but you know i feel personally yeah they need to they need to add a left-handed uh, left-handed reliever yeah and there's not a whole lot there on the free agent market so that's something that could probably come via trade and and let's face it there are 
bigger and more obvious and more pressing needs rather than a lefty reliever. But it is something that has to get addressed before spring training. Could be some NRIs, some non-roster invitees. You sign some minor league free agents to uh, deals with a major league invite to camp, and maybe you find, I mean, nobody expected Bernardino to be the kind of force that he was, um, a very under-the-radar acquisition a couple of months into the season, and he turned out to be a great find. A reminder that you can find those bullpen pieces in sometimes some unlikely and inexpensive places. Um, part of the winter meetings next week will also include, as they do every year, the Rule 5 draft. And if you recall a year ago, uh, some Red Sox fans were up in arms that so many guys had been taken in that draft, um, led by Noah Song. Um, and we also had Ryan Politi go. Uh, we also had Thad Ward go. So there were three Red Sox right-handed pitchers who went out the door um, and two of them came back. And frankly, Ward did not have a great season uh, with the Washington Nationals, but the uh, song is now back in the organization. He could technically be taken again. I think that's highly unlikely. He proved that he's not ready to make that jump to the big league 26-man roster, and that's what you have to spend the entire year or on the IL at the major league level. So the, the, the team drafting uh, a player like this has to believe that there can be some contributions at the big league level um, there, there's been some speculation in recent days, Chris, about guys that the Red Sox could be vulnerable to lose this time. Um, you, you do such a terrific job with our minor league coverage and prospects. You have your ears to the ground on this stuff. Who do you think is a guy, or maybe more than one has happened last year, that they risk losing uh, coming up on Wednesday? You know, I think Shane Rohan will be drafted um, just because, you know, a team – can afford to probably, you know, stick him in as a left-handed reliever into their bullpen for an entire, you know, year on your active roster. And so, you know, obviously as a guy, I think 2020 was the fifth round draft pick out of Florida state. And, you know, he got off to a hell of a start, obviously with, with Portland this year. And, you know, the numbers faded obviously when he was, you know, promoted to Worcester. Um, However, I've heard that he has a plus changeup. He has a fastball in the mid nineties, and you know, from what I hear, of the plus changeup. I mean, it was also heard by Baseball America because you know they wrote yesterday in their little write up that his changeup ranked nineteenth best across the entire minor leagues in two thousand twenty three for accumulated run value. Um, and so, you know, he's a guy that is definitely you know, somebody that could be taken. I don't see other guys that they, they mentioned like, you know, Steven Scott. I just, he's not that great of a defender obviously yet, you know, and he's a he's converted, a converted catcher, a, a guy yeah. who played the outfield and that they've taken a look at uh, behind the plate. And he did get up to Worcester uh, in the second half last year. So he did have some triple a exposure, but it, it would say, it would seem that uh, there's a lot more development to go there. I guess, the calling card there would be his flexibility that if you put him on the 20 as the 26th guy on your roster, he's a guy that you could treat as a sort of emergency third catcher, a right-handed bat with some pop, which he has shown and a guy you could stick in a corner outfield spot. But that seems like a bit of a stretch. Yeah. The other guy they mentioned, one of the guys they mentioned that I agree with them on, you know, definitely is Ryan Fernandez. He was like the 17, uh, 700th overall pick or something like that. And, 
in one of these drafts. Yeah, 2018, 700th overall pick. Um, but he's, you know, gets it up to 90, 98, 99, pretty consistently. His numbers went down, uh, you know, he pitches, obviously as a reliever, uh, gets it up to 98, 99, you know, so as baseball America was pointing out, like there's not many people with better pure stuff, like available in the rule five draft than him. However, the, the numbers weren't there when he went to Worcester last year. Um, there's other guys that are just, you know, prospects that you could say, like, you know, potentially a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates or, you know, the Washington Nationals where, <laughs> you know, they they hardly played, you know, like uh, Michael Chavis last year. Like, you know, you can hide a, hide a guy on a, on a roster when you're a really, really bad team. Yep. And so there's, you know, those potential of guys like Alan Castro or Edison Paulino. Um, they're both outfielders. Actually, Paulino is a shortstop slash outfielder and, and, you know, there are guys that were at high A last year that you wouldn't think would go, but they are relatively, you know, like top 15 Red Sox prospects and everything. Oh. And Alan Castro is very interesting. Uh, he was a guy that Eddie Romero had, you know, told me about, like I had said, I had asked Eddie Romero in May, I was like, anybody I should be keeping my eye on. And he's like, keep your eye on Alan Castro. He hasn't started out good, but he's going to finish strong. Definitely. And, um, he did. I mean, he 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 was one of their best players in in Greenville uh, during the second half. So, you know, potentially he could go. So we'll see. But um, you know, it's 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 difficult to predict. Obviously, you've got a guy like Zach Penrod, right? Like right. the guy throws ninety. You know, anybody could have had him a couple months ago. They signed him out of indie ball. He's only you know he's twenty five, twenty six, but he does. You know, he's a left hander. That's another guy that you could, you know, talk about when you're talking about like left-handers coming into spring training and stuff like that, you know, potential non-roster invitees that could take the left-hander job. I mean, this guy throws 95 and he's got like, you know, three pretty good pitches and he used them to both both sides of the plate and everything. And, and anytime you can get a left-hander who can throw in the mid-90s, that's going to get attention from somebody yeah. because those guys don't grow on trees. So I think that you know, that's another guy. And then they, and then another left-hander that baseball America mentioned was Brandon Solucci and, you know, um, his numbers aren't good, but you know, the under the hood numbers, I guess are good. And, you know, the advanced stuff that they look at. And so, you know, he's, he struggled at Portland last year. A lot of these guys have struggled, you know, but you know, a team takes a chance on him. We've seen it a billion times where, you know, a, you know, a, a reliever comes out of nowhere and he's really good. So. <laughs> yeah, or Garrett Whitlock, a guy that, you know, was uh, coming off Tommy John surgery. And though he has not uh, developed the last couple of years because of some injuries and different roles, that was certainly quite a fine for the Red Sox in 21. I think if the Reds, so how many people are in the Red Sox 40 man roster right now? I mean, you can't, they're not 40. Well, they're either so they're, 37 or 38. There's a couple. Yeah. So couple like, you know, there's the potential for them to pick somebody. Obviously you can't pick somebody if you're at 40, but you know, we'll see what happens over. I mean, those two roster spots could be filled by Thursday when the draft is. But like, you know, we could see the. You know, I could see them like, you know, potentially, you know, because starting pitching is such a need. You know, like get a guy that potentially is a long term starting pitcher, but they could, you know, put in their bullpen and you know have as a, you know, a potential find like Garrett Whitlock when he was in his first year with the Red Sox. You know, in that type of role or even a smaller role than that. So. You know, if I was the Red Sox, I would definitely be looking at guys that, you know, you think that could produce out of the bullpen this year and could be a long-term starting pitcher. 
Yeah, I, I think it's more likely that it is a pitcher if the Red Sox do select anybody in the Rule 5. It's easier to hide that guy as the 13th guy on the staff. Um, when you only have four bench players beyond your starting nine, so if you have 13 position players and 13 pitchers, it's a hell of a lot easier to carry a young, untested guy as the 13th pitcher than it is to be the fourth guy on the bench because you have your backup catcher, that's 10. You need an infielder, you need an outfielder, you need some depth there, and you better make sure that the four guys you have who are depth players in terms of position players can contribute. So I think if they do take anybody, it's far more likely uh, that it's going to be a pitcher. We'll see. Uh, something tells me that Breslow might be the kind of guy that might want to take a flyer on somebody and see if an arm might stick. Um, his expertise, of course, is developing pitching. That's what attracted uh, the Red Sox to him and the job he did with the Cubs. And we'll see um, how he does there. They've already picked up a few minor league free agents off the scrap heap. Maybe they add another one in the Rule 5 draft later next week. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. A reminder that David Ortiz will be a guest on our next episode talking about his uh, golf tournament down in South Florida, which raises great money for uh, pediatric care, both in the Dominican and uh, in Boston. David has uh, agreed to join us tomorrow, so look out for that episode. And a reminder of the Red Sox Insider Text Program that we talked about at the beginning of the show, $4.99 a month gives you the ability to text with me, with Chris Cotillo, with Chris Smith, Throughout the winter, spring training, regular season, whatever questions you have about the Red Sox, you'll hear from us directly via text. And it is a free service for 14 days and then $4.99 a month. Text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257 and then just click on the link and subscribe. A lot of people are enjoying it. We think you will too. Chris Smith, thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon. And we'll be back with another episode of Fenway Rundown soon, wherever you get your podcasts. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.